Full disclosure, I'm Robin Farzad, and we are live with Nightingale Ice Cream Sandwiches. Live from the UR's Robin School Business, the mashup crazy dessert seemingly everyone on the East Coast is talking about. The husband-wife chef team behind this RVA bread phenomenon traversed pretty unusual roads to get here, including marine mess halls, Belgian recipes linked back to King Leopold himself. Yeah, my grandfather. And even the town's best burger. You're gonna wanna stick around for this story. Do stay with us. This special live show is made possible by the support of Reservoir Distillery. From grain to glass, making handcrafted bourbon and whiskey in Richmond, Virginia since 2008. Reservoir Distillery, never sourced. More at ReservoirDistillery.com. By Evo Advisors, offering financial advice that is globally experienced and locally based. For those who have more than a 401k to manage, visit GoEvoAdvisors.com. That's GoEvoAdvisors.com. By ACG, family-owned providers of wealth accumulation and tax reduction strategies for business owners and individuals in Richmond for over 30 years. More at acgworldwide.com. And by Dominion Payroll, offering payroll, HR, timekeeping, and pre-employment solutions to meet all of your business needs. Please visit dominionpayroll.com. And last but not least, the Robin School of Business, a fully accredited, highly ranked undergraduate business school that is also part of a highly ranked liberal arts university. With a full MBA program and executive education offerings, the Robin School offers hands-on opportunities for both undergrads and working professionals. Learn more at robins.richmond.edu. Joining me on stage at the University of Richmond's, wait for it, wait for it, Robin School of Business, is the couple behind Nightingale Ice Cream Sandwiches, the dessert seemingly everyone on the East Coast is talking about. Hannah Pollock and Xavier Mears, the husband-wife culinary team that's been slinging these thick sandwiches for three and a half years. Welcome. Thank you, thank you. All right, another dad joke-laden anecdote. I met this wonderful couple at a live show that I did in October called Ace the Midterms, which we had two chefs come and do, and we had the correspondence visit from NBC and CBS and ABC. And I thought the chefs, I just gave them agency to bring their own dessert. And so they ordered 250 ice cream sandwiches. And next thing I see is people leaving the dining room and being regaled by this couple. And he's cutting things off and drizzling them with, with uh, you know, bourbon glaze and nonpareils and everything. And I'm thinking that they're, okay, they're employees of this massive conglomerate, Nightingale. And I go up to Xavier, I was like, this is amazing. You know, I, I've been trying to look for the fat Elvis sandwich. Do you know about the fat Elvis sandwich? Like, there would not be a fat Elvis without me. Mm. <laughs> I'm the fat Elvis. <laughs> I mean, we used to call him the fat Elvis, but. The upshot is that they were stealing like Christmas gigs. Clients were hiring them left and right. It was so busy. And I, I met this charismatic couple, and I said, we have to have a dedicated show on them. So, and here it is. Uh, I want to know when you guys met. Take me back to your original Richmond story. Do you want to well, start? Well, we met 10 years ago. So Xavier came over from Belgium 10 years ago to open uh, Belle V, which is his first restaurant. And 10 years ago, I was still in culinary school. And I went to his restaurant, and I was uh, making the salads and desserts. Mm -hmm. um, I was 22. and. Um, I just worked with him, and I worked my way up to be his sous chef, and we were worked together for five years, um, and we had just the best time working together and cooking together, and that's how we first met. 
So, uh, you know, fast forward to Cafe Bruxelles, which was when I next heard about Xavier. If I remember, I go back and look at the clips in 2015 and 2016. There was this burger that everybody talked about um, south, I mean, east of the museum district. And then it was no longer. What happened? Yeah, I, I was a little sad because I came from Belgium and tried to cook a lot of fancy food. And uh, everybody talked about this burger. So when I opened Brussels Cafe, I cook mussels and burger because that's what everybody want here. And I was super happy. I'm on the stand after and then all my fancy little food don't make any sense. They just want a good meat, good burgers, and I make this burger with all the shit that I have from like ribeye or filet mignon. So like and when I, you, trim, when you trim the, the filet and ribeye, yeah. you have a lot of leftover meat. And so we would grind that into... That made the best meat in yeah. the world. So you got little bits of filet and little bits of ribeye in the burger. Plus we would add ground beef into it and then... And a lot of truffle. Yeah. That's why we want the best burger in Richmond. Yeah. So you would think this would continue. It was getting great buzz. What about the... We've talked about it before, the uh, economics of the restaurant business. That location... Um, in the kind of the nether region of Main Street was kind of cursed in the past. It was at Peacock Cafe, these other places. Um, it's kind of like the Willow Lawn of better. <laughs> it's, a, it's a great neighborhood. No, no, no. I have, I have a lot of fun. In that place, we have a lot of fun. I mean, I have because you, she quit my place for being her own chef. At Bellevue, you know? I left yeah. because I wanted to be a chef on my own and I wanted to just strike on my own and so I left and I wanted I just left to be a chef on my own so Bruxelles Cafe was just him. You didn't give him an ultimatum at Bellevue and say make me Well there was no place I could go it was either chef or quit. Did you beg her to stay? (laughs) No way (laughs) And she quit so no it was it was fun. Would you quit on amicable terms? Oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, we were together. We got married. I kick her out. Yeah. That's not true. That's not true. I left. And you went to Greenleaf Pool Room? Well, I was at a restaurant in, Ch- in Chester called Divine. And it was a European restaurant. And then I left because I wanted to come to the city where it was all happening. Stole all my recipes. Again, not true. <laughs> <laughs> I took some recipes. Just but I made. I made them better. It was better. <laughs> so, if I may ask, when did you come, uh, become an item, as it was? An item. <laughs> I'm glad I don't uh, understand English. Uh, <laughs> a what? And it has a certain je ne sais quoi. I don't have the word for when it, but anyway. When did we start being together? No comprende. Yeah. It was... It's a little scandal. I think it's uh, right yeah. after Bellevue when, uh, when she tried uh, going on your own and we started dating and we have a lot of things in common and, you know, sharing a lot of things. You time. wanted to but make sure I that stayed. If, if we can, still private. Okay. All right, fine. <laughs> I won't go there. You're Belgian. I didn't think this was like church and state stuff. But anyway. Um, oh, European. <laughs> European, yes. So... This ice cream sandwich, I understand you lost the lease or it came up, it was due on Bruxelles Cafe, and you were kind of at a fork in the road. Do I want to do this? Do I want to take on the... Oh, no. For be honest, Anna, every time then she come home for new special, she's always asking me for my advice. 
And uh, she came that night with a cookie. It was a brownies cookies with vanilla ice cream on top. And she asked my opinion and said, do you think I should sell that on special uh, for this weekend? And I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> this is the best ice cream I never had for a long time. Plus that little thing of cookies was really good. But what was special? What was unique about that? Well, I think it's because it was all by hand. Every cookie. Homemade. For the first year, you know, I made every cookie that we ever did. And so every cookie we would make the doughs in a little tiny KitchenAid uh, in the back of Greenleafs where I was the chef. I would roll out every single cookie and it was all by hand and it was all locally sourced, uh, just like what we do now. So Greenleafs was selling these? Yes, as a dessert, yeah. And so it became almost like a side spin-off business. Exactly, that. yeah. Were people asking for this by demand, like if you'd run out? Exactly, So yeah. we, I made it as a dessert option on the menu, and I took it to Xavier, and he was like, let's try to sell this. Let's just see what we can do with it. And so we got the packaging. Uh, we, we just got the labels for it, and he went to Chiaka's which was our first customer ever. So I do some great writing there. It's a great yeah, sandwich in the museum district. Yes. Place. It was a great time because he's looking for a new desert. It's a sandwich spot. He do everything, you know, from scratch over there, really small stuff. And I'm like, dude, if you want something, let's create a, some, let's create a sandwich together. And so what was it just, the, the first sandwich was just the, the, the plain vanilla? Uh, well, the first sandwich at Greenleafs was the classic, which was a chocolate brownie cookie and then a vanilla ice cream. And then the one that we made for Chiaka's was peanut butter cup, which is a peanut butter ice cream chocolate cookie and it was half dipped in chocolate. And that was a special flavor for Chiaka's. May I ask you, kind of that, Chase, was it at that point when you were using the Cuisinart and everything, even a profitable use of your time? Or are you just kind of building it out to build buzz? I mean, we, we have restaurant entrepreneurs who talk about doing the pop-up as a loss leader just to build interest and buzz and get the word out. And then at some point, you're at critical mass. You engage a commercial kitchen. Were you doing this as a hobby when you were collecting a paycheck? At first, yeah, for sure. I mean, oh, we the, don't collect yeah. any paycheck. At no. first, I mean, we we did this in between our other jobs. Like we, I would come in at like two or three in the morning, make the ice cream, make the cookies, make the sandwiches, do my chef job. He would deliver in between his lunch and dinner shifts at Bruxelles Cafe. It was a great time. <laughs> we missed that time. <laughs> We miss that time so much. No sleep at how do you, all. Hold up. How do you account for this? You, so you, you keep it kind of in a bucket as a hobby because you have two paying jobs. You have employees. You have people you're dealing with. Do you just say, I'm going to test this out, and if it starts pulling me more, at some point I'm at a fork in the road where I decide to maybe leave my job? It's kind of the entrepreneur's dilemma. Well, I think, I think we just... We never think about yeah, that, right? We just always did it as it came. And so we were passionate about it. We started to sell it. And as it started to grow, we realized that there was a choice. You know, we could try and do both and keep it small, or we could take that leap, quit our jobs, and do this full time, and, and just take it where it could go. And that's what we did when it got to that point. It, it so was the right time. So, so seize on this moment. We do this a lot. And, um, gets into the nitty-gritty a lot of times. People in the food service industry don't want to talk about financials and the economics. Were you cash rich? Did you have savings on the side to kind of bootstrap this? What was that conversation like where like, you know, honey, the Belgian love of my life, 
if we're going to take a flyer on this, we're going to have to get a small business loan. Walk me into that. You can't just decide, okay, if I want to ramp this up, where does that money come from? Well, we, I tell her to yeah. sell your car first. You sell your car because we need some cookies. So I, she sells yeah, her car. Don't mind. We just did it ourselves. I mean, we, every, everything that we had, we put into it. So our paychecks from our, from our jobs, we yeah. put it into it. What is really exciting with what we have, we start with nothing. We create 20 ice cream sandwiches for Chiacos. When he gave me my check, I said, hey, Anna, I have 120 bucks. So <laughs> we're going to make 200 ice cream sandwiches. And we just start like that, really. We really start like that three years ago. So how does that, how does, so how does that capital formation work? Is that just like the thrill of if my kids sell lemonade and you know, they have a $5 bill at the end of the day? You get to do something like, was there a spark that said, we could scale this, it could become a serious business, I can leave my job? It take, uh, it take a little while. Walk me through it. Two months. <laughs> Because we love challenge. No, no, seriously, when, when, I mean, I was in out of the lease at Brussels Cafe, so I would love to continue that business because it was fun. Um, but on the side of that, a chef looking for something different, I was really excited to do something on the side. So when Anna bring me that ice cream sandwich at home and like, wait a minute. We cannot keep that for us. Let's sell some. And I give all my time and energy to sell it, produce and sell it. So it works. Hannah, did you guys have friends over and try to do like a skunk works thing in the kitchen where here, try this out. Is this crazy? What if I infuse it with ginger or something else? How does this work? Well, I think we don't have a lot the, of friends. What you do, it's, it's just it's just us. And that's why I think why we do well is because the two of us together, we've always worked so well together. And I ask his opinion and he gives it and we come up with different things. And I think that's why we've come up with all these flavors that people love is because just us together I feel like we're the best team. Full disclosure, I'm Robin Farzad. We are at the University of Richmond's Robin School of Business talking with the lovely couple behind Nightingale's hit ice cream sandwiches, Hannah and Xavier. Hannah Pollock and Xavier Mears. Um, Hannah, take me back to your experience. Now, the Marine Barracks, the mess hall. So we started this story about you at 22 years old, sous chefing. But what was your culinary coming of age in the military? Well, I... When I was 17, I joined the Marines uh, because uh, I didn't want to go to college at the time. And my, my older brother, uh, he was a machine gunner in the, in the Marines. And I always looked up to him. He was just my biggest hero. And I joined the Marines uh, when I was 17. And I had a great experience in the military. I always just, uh, I really enjoyed my time. And I think it's a great start uh, for any young person that needs some direction. Uh, but when I got out of the Marines, I went to nursing school because I wasn't sure what to do. I knew it was a good career. Uh, and then I got to a point and I was like, I don't, I don't love this. I, it's not something that I'm really passionate about. And I've always been passionate about, about cooking. And so I switched to culinary school. And that's where I really just fell in love with uh, anything that to do with cooking being in a kitchen, being a chef, and that was really 
just where I think I found my calling. Did you have to take on debt to go to culinary school? Was there was a risk reward? Yes, we cover it right now. <laughs> <laughs> I so I was, yeah, I, I actually I did just for I went to J Sarge for culinary school. Uh, there is of course always debt to to go to a school, um, so it's almost done now. <laughs> almost. Almost. Now, Xavier, now on your journey, I want to do, take it back to King Leopold. I understand your grandpa was King Leopold's personal chef, even on the battlefield. Yeah, person, yeah, he cooked, no, no, really, truly, my grandfather used to have a restaurant in Brussels. He was the chef for the King Leopold, and at the Second World War, he have to, King Leopold had to leave for England, and they sent my grandfather to the battlefield. Yep, that was a, I'm, I think I picked to be a chef just because, or for my grandfather. He impressed me all my life. First, we make the most beautiful job in the world. That's mean play with food, make people happy. And uh, I learned so much from him. So, yep. That was something wonderful. What brought you to Richmond? So I traveled all my life. So uh, one person asked me one day to come in Richmond and open a Belgian bistro. We used to base on um, Midlothian Adversal Plaza called Bellevue. And uh, I jumped on it. He asked me to come. And uh, I fell in love of Richmond. Nobody talks about Richmond in Europe. It's always like New York, Washington, Los Angeles, Las Vegas, and uh, I never came on vacation in Richmond, and I stayed for like two months, and I'm, this is it. I love this place. And especially What's slinging muscles for people in Midlothian? A what? <laughs> Cooking muscles for people in yeah, Midlothian. I do that for five years. Wow. Yep, and people love it. Love it. The rent was a little too expensive, so we have to, we have to go out. Okay, so take me um, to the initial outlet. So there's a morning when you guys woke up. It was a Monday morning, maybe after you took a vacation, kind of a bumper mental health clearance thing where you're like, okay, we're doing this. Did you then engage a commercial kitchen? It was a Friday. What did you do? What did you do? So, <laughs> Hannah, walk me through it. So I think when we decided to take the step, I think especially when I quit my job, we of course couldn't work out of the tiny space where I was the chef. It was just too small, even for, for the kitchen there. So we looked for a bigger space. And at the time, uh, Billy Fallon, who is the owner of Billy Bread, was a good friend of Xavier. And he said that he had a space that thought could work for us. And so we went to look at it. And it was actually in the back of the Westbury Pharmacy. So it was a little, it used to be like a grocery. That was the kosher market in yes. the back of the Westbury Pharmacy? Yes, yes, yes. And so that's where we Joey's for, Market. I, I don't know what it was Joey? called. Yeah, I would go there and buy Passover wine. I think some people know this. Was, you know. The Lebanese family always had like an implicit compact. It's great with the Jewish community going back decades to provide a Passover market. And irony of ironies, it ends up like reincarnated as a Belgian ice cream sandwich place. Uh, only, in, only in Richmond. But yes, go ahead. So that's where we, we moved, and it was a huge step for us. The rent, now it, it doesn't <sighs> seem as much, but we were like, oh, God, how are we going to do it? <laughs> what was that first run? What was that first production run? 
Well, How many would you have to do to cover the rent? Ah, uh, that's funny. So when we started at Greenleafs, a big week for us was 100 sandwiches a week. Phew. And, <laughs> and we are exhausted. So stressful. Huh? I mean, no, no, no. Between the service. So yeah. don't forget one thing. It was in the middle of the night sometimes. I would get up at like 2 or 3 uh -huh. in the morning and go into Greenleafs and make ice cream and sandwiches. And it was just... We start poof. with uh, what, uh, the, the, the sorbetier? The uh, two-quart You know mixer. the two-quart? I can hear the sound Like what you can get at uh, Sur La Table. Like... Something like... <laughs> it was... Like, uh, we, for like 12 hours a day, we would churn yeah. two-quart batches Awful. to get that. And it was just constantly... So to, to gross $500 in a week... I mean, I, was this the idea? You were still provisioning mostly Chiacas? Were there other restaurants that were no, suddenly asking no. for I, you? What is great about this town, um, soon then we start, soon then we start the business, a lot of people came after us and said, a lot of friends actually, and said, I want your produce. This is really good. I want to have that tomorrow. So just an example, Elwood Thompson, when we start, or Shields Market, or Union Market, Guys, this is really good. Can I have 20 tomorrow? <laughs> all night long, you know? All night long again. Yes, you're gonna have 20 tomorrow. And we start like that. But these people support us since day one. Really, yeah. yeah. I want you to talk about Richmond and that because you have the, the news today, it was in Style Weekly, of this special batch you're releasing, this Manhattan macerated cherry thing with Reservoir Distillery. And uh, believe me, they are drinking Reservoir no. bourbon here. No. Um, anyway. <laughs> I wish. Perfectly cogent. We have done so many mashups before. Uh, Charm School, I believe uh, Stella's had you do a baklava one. Baklava. I met a pregnant woman who said you made a special batch for her her daughter's delivery? Oh, yeah, yeah. She runs the bean garden or something. I think she was my son's teacher. Like, I hear about all these crazy oh, stories. Oh, Amanda. Amanda, Hum yeah. Hummingbird Garden. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we did a lavender Earl Grey with her lavender that she grows. So how do you even scale stuff like that? You just go and, like, honey, pick me up some lavender Earl Grey tea, and I'll, <laughs> I'll throw it into the... <laughs> Exactly. No, I want to... I, I, I know it seems a little boring and everything, but tell me how you go away from, like, the... The, the hobby part of it, to actually scaling a business. So 100 to 500 must have seemed very terrifying to you. I think, yeah, in the beginning, for sure it was because... You press was, these by hand. It was just us. You press these by hand, you press these by hand, and you wrap these by yeah. hand. Yeah, and so it was... I mean, not me anymore. <laughs> I'm glad. He's the charm, the face, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How many employees did you have when you went to Westbury Pharmacy? I was just done. Zero. Two. <laughs> so, okay, yeah. next step is when did you have to say, honey, we need to hire people? What, we, we got one training. employee. It was the first summer that at, we moved in there. It was November, and our first employee we hired the next March was one employee, and we were just like, oh, what we would you, all this stuff. What would you say your output was at that moment? Um, let's see. If we did it by case... No, Just said by ice cream. By ice cream. Maybe 500. Yeah, 500 sandwiches. Across three employees. You yes. and her. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, and where we, are you now? We have nine employees and we do 15 to 18,000 a week. Yeah. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> and the employees is right there. 
In the back. Yes, oh, we have guys. three of our employees right there. here. Yeah. Great people. Let me ask you, Xavier, on the, on the demand side stuff, actually working with other people, like if I take the reservoir example, you guys, I remember in one competition like Best of Richmond, you were in competition for something, but you're allies tonight. And we heard that before. We had Brittany Anderson of the show. I mean, even competitors in this town seem to be very magnanimous competitors. They kind of want to up the RVA dine game in general. You've engaged so many different breweries here. You've worked with Blue Bee Cider. You've done stuff with Belle Isle. You've done stuff with Reservoir, with various restaurants. I mean, uh, the people who introduced me to you are the, it's like the Eat Restaurant Group, Chris Sway and Chris Staples. Um, and they love you in all of their restaurants. They seem to kind of push this out. You seem to be willing to engage above and beyond the kind of the, 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 the raw material, the product, the deliverable. Like when you came and did my live show, a big part of it was your boisterous attitude, like, oh, try this, and I'll put a nonpareil on it and everything. I mean, you know, a side of Xavier. Mm -hmm. Talk to me Sounds about like that. Me. Talk to me about that. Um, when, I, when I came, so 10 years ago, I met Chris Sway. He was my neighbor. from Chris Sway owns Osaka, Wild Ginger, yeah. Eat Restaurant, Fatty Smokes. I mean, they now have like 15 locations. Yeah, and, and they serve and, your and product. We, we met each other and we are all friends. Like working with Jay and Dave from Reservoir, working with Arden, working with Hollywood, work. all these people here in this town is so passionate about what they do. Then it's kind of uh, an inspiration for us. It's so awesome to bring the produce that this guy made and made something good, like an ice cream. Who talk about it? Trust me. Ten years ago, when I came to United States, and I'm going to be an owner or part of a business uh, of an ice cream sandwich company, my dad still don't believe what we're talking about. <laughs> so, you know, I'm so happy and proud to work with all these people around this town, really passionate people, bring something really cool on the market, and we can work, and, you know, there we go. Yeah, I remember when I first got here, it was in 2012, Paul Spicer of Grid Magazine. Um, he's very big into mashups and bringing creatives together, and maybe you could do a two plus two equals six. How did, for example, the Stella's thing happen, this legendary baklava nightingale thing? These are like first series garbage pail kids. They, they, exist, they exist in mythology. I don't know if it actually happened. The Dravoses came to you and said, do it? No, uh, it's, it's more simple than that, but... I don't think we can talk about this. So I think Johnny Chavos, the owner, is born in La Gare du Midi. So the Midi station in Brussels, that's where he's born. So we are really close. <laughs> Who'd have thought? But on the side of that is the best restaurant it's my, my favorite wife. restaurant. It's her favorite Stella's. Yeah. yeah. Stella's. When they approached us, I was like, oh my god, it's so exciting. Is it served there daily? It's, well, it's at all their grocery locations. So it's not at the restaurant. So they have Stella's Grocery on Lafayette, one in Scott's Edition, and then one in, I think it's right next to Pearly's. It used to be Coleman's. And so they have the baklava flavor at all those three locations. We used to say, no, uh, no, we don't want this. But no, she said yes. Full disclosure, I'm Robin Farzad. If you're one of the many restaurants hearing your names plugged on this broadcast, feel free to send me sponsorship proceeds. I actually, uh, <laughs> Robin at fulldradio.com. 
Uh, take, so you guys just got back. I said, could I come visit you yesterday at this huge commercial kitchen on the edge of the earth? It's part of a town called Manchester. Uh, uh, it's massive. Good this, team. It's massive, this factory. I walked in, it looked like a, it looked like a um, microchip foundry. Everybody's wearing hairnets and everything. It's not what I expected with, you know, the gregarious chefs slapping together sandwiches and, you know, Belgian fries being passed around. Um, <laughs> or Belgian beer. Belgian beer. So you were marketing in New England yesterday in upstate New Lake, York? Lake George, New York. Beautiful. Beautiful. Lake George, New York. So oh how, does, how does this work? All right, we're talking about Chiacas. We're talking about Chris Suede, Javos, everything, and um, emanating out from kind of RVA Dine in Virginia. How do you end up, Hannah, talk to me about it, upstate so New York and Boston? one huge step for us was PFG, which is Performance Food Group. They're a food distributor, and they're one of the three largest food distributors in the country. And so when we first started uh, three years ago, one of the sales reps that we used to buy from for the restaurants said that, well, they're looking for local products to distribute. And so they, we met with them and um, they started to distribute in Richmond. And so we had just a great first year with PFG. Um, and then as we started to grow, we started to grow into other states with PFG. And so they distribute our product now in I think it's like nine to 10 states. So we've been growing with PFG, so we have six or seven different opcos that we're working with, and they buy from us, and they just distribute to oh, around Do you the engage at the granular level, like descend into Faneuil Hall in Boston and work with a restaurant there, Sam Adams? I don't know, to kind of do the same thing that you pulled off in Richmond, or is that impossible to scale? Well, for one thing that is exciting is there's, uh, of course, a lot of local companies and one local company that we're working with, we're actually leaving tonight after this. And oh. we're, we're driving up to Boston uh, because there's a local company called Tasty Burger. And they're the official burger of the Red Sox. And they have bought um, a large amount of our sandwiches to sell at Boston Calling, which is a, lar it's a, a music festival uh, on the Harvard campus. And they're gonna, we're going to go up there and help just sell the ice cream sandwiches and promote. Um, but I think that's another thing, too, that's so important. It's not just local here. We want to connect with these companies in all the different states. And connect with the restaurants, the individual restaurateurs, or is that, is that something that the restaurant distributors taking care of on your behalf? Like, what is it, lead generation? Uh, it, there's, there's some that are like that, but there's a lot that, too, we want to maintain this relationship that we have. You know, we are still so hands-on and we are the spokespersons for our company. And so we, we just are as hands-on as possible. So again, how many employees do you have right now? Nine. How many sandwiches can that provision? You're still slapping them together by hand, yes? Well, not slapping, but. <laughs> <laughs> I saw you over there. How many can you, no, suppose, I don't know, let's say Chick-fil-A or In-N-Out Burger comes to you. Like, I want to I get to the nitty-gritty of this. Yes, you know, we talked about old empires. Like, in every Iranian, they say there's a Persian emperor looking to get out. And in the old, I don't know, Belgian empire, for what it's worth. No, we don't want to go there. I'm not really proud about that. No, but you're, you're saying that you are ambitious. You're willing to do this. You're willing to leave this thing probably tipsy on some great bourbon and drive another nine hours to Boston. You just came back from a nine hour trip to Boston, right to take on that incremental client. But 
what do you have to do on the labor end of it? You're going to have to scale up on this side. I can't what, get my yeah, head around that. One say, thing I would say, um, and it's not just because they're here, we have a great team. And like we have, uh, we've built up a great team of people that Don't cry. can, yeah, well, I'm just saying it's, it's, sometimes she'd be emotional. It took a long time to find, but like we have a great team that we can leave and do these things and travel and, and promote this company because we know that it's being taken care of. But yeah. does, does, does nine people scale into suppose an order comes in, we want 20,000 sandwiches a week? Well, so do we, we even want yeah. that at this point? We have plans for uh, next year. Uh, we're building an actual an, another facility that we can do eight times what we're doing now. So, like, that's our plan for next year, um, and that's in one shift we can do eight times what we're doing now, and it's a lot based on uh, our staff, but also just another, like, key pieces of equipment that we have, we'll, we'll invest in that can help with the process, but also that will keep the quality always. That's the most important thing. How much of this is going to involve automation? What, money? Well, there's, like I said, so, there's just like a couple key pieces of equipment that is going to help us speed up but also keep the quality. So there's things that we can put into place that, uh, you know, it doesn't require as much labor, but there's, there's no effect to that sandwich. It's no way that we're going to start to do a factory. We discuss on that. So we can have L by buy some machine for the packaging and stuff like that. But we're going to continue to do everything by hand. Full disclosure, I'm Robin Farzad. We are at the University of Richmond's Robin School Business talking to the lovely couple behind Nightingale's hit ice cream sandwiches, Hannah Pollock and Xavier Mears. They've been at it now for, what, three and a half years? Yes. Uh, could we talk about broader trends in consumer packaged goods right now? Everything I hear, every pitch we get, it's about winnow down the number of ingredients you have. There's, uh, you've, you've seen uh, big companies like Heinz, Kraft, and others have a lot of difficulty because the smaller artisanal players that, you know, if you look at Kind bars or uh, a handful of these things, you see RX bars, they might have five ingredients on it. You're up against two forces here. You're being asked to mass produce and provision at least the eastern seaboard. I've, I've heard from chefs in New York that want your ice cream bars. But you also want to stay true to this tradition of the Greenleaf ice cream room and, and you know, knowing the, the ingredients in kind of your brownie wafers, how do you jive the two? Well, I, I mean, I think there's always things that you have to take into consideration. So we always, for as many ingredients as possible, we use local. So we, still, we use Blanchard's coffee for our espresso. For our cream, we use, I can't say right now, because it's... it's uh, We'll like announce it on our social media, but we have a really exciting local collaborator for our cream. Um, but as much as possible, we, we still use local ingredients. Um, but there's also concessions that need to be made uh, as you grow as well. You know, there's, uh, as you grow, you have to take into consideration uh, how many hands that it goes through to get to the end user. And so we really try to balance that to make sure we still keep the quality, but we also can get it to, to as many people as possible. Have you explored uh, non-dairy ice cream or some of the other trends, gluten-free? Have you been pulled into these other categories? Uh, do you want me to answer that? You can go ahead. 
<laughs> so, like from restaurant business, I mean, no denry, no, no. I love when it's a real stuff. So, what we do the best is making ice cream right now. I want the best ice cream in the world with the most calorie possible, <laughs> with the most sugar as possible. Please, thank you. I mean, please stop. <laughs> so I think when people are going eat something good, it's passionate people. We are passionate about what we do. We want the best for the customers or for us. So no, we want the best. Are you allowed to get into any overtures from bigger consumer packaged goods companies? Because those are the growth areas. Like if you saw one of our you know, former uh, sponsor of the show, Health Warrior, was acquired by PepsiCo. Uh, these companies, existentially, the big multinationals, they want, you could look at breweries, for example. They want, well, you're shuddering while I say this. Uh, big companies? Uh, we are afraid of big companies. Uh, I'm afraid. She don't care. She want to see the money come in. Uh. <laughs> I want to choose my new car. No, no, she's really not like She that. had to sell her car to start this. I mean, That's a... true. And it was a piece that of crap. Really. <laughs> no, no. Um, I mean, working with big companies, I mean, if we, if we can change a little bit of the world, we're going to do it. Yeah, but you could change the world under a Unilever? Under do you want a no. craft? No. I think they the need thing, you. Yeah, the thing that's most important to us is is it's the two of us, you know. I mean, we don't. Two want of to. us, our company, make sure we bring a beautiful produce, and work with all the best people, is passionate like us about what they do. That's it. You this is the most important for us, right? You dovetailed, you nightingale tailed right into my next question. Is uh, you know, Pat Benatar, uh, hopefully a future guest of this. Uh, show. Uh, she famously said, love is a battlefield. And I love my wife. She's here in attendance today. But I can't imagine running a business with her and seeing her in the trenches like, you guys are out in Siberia in Manchester. No offense. Have you ever been over there? Like, is that even 804? Is it on a septic tank? I don't know. But like, you have to see a lot of each. It's pretty desolate. I came and I visited you. There's like a factory. And a, you only have like each other and a Wi-Fi signal and a bunch of employees in hairnets. How do you... How do you keep the, I don't know, the je ne sais quoi, the joie de vivre, the lust for life? How do you, how do you keep it going? There was such a, you, you chuckle at each other. You still laugh at each other. And you have to work with each other. Because she's funny. <laughs> you have to listen He's sometimes. Trust me, she's funny. Yeah. I think it's just, I don't know. I think we just, that's what's special about it is us together. I think we always have been I think we never ask any question. Yeah. We never... Uh, we never go look back or something like that. We have that project. So for be honest, when we stop the restaurant business, we don't have any money like what, three, three and a half years ago? No mass, <laughs> what are we gonna do? Uh, so we do it. We put all the money that we have on what we believe more. And that's what we believe in. And we're doing some awesome job. Uh, and now we are here today, thanks for us. But we're never going to forget this time. So looking back and looking ahead um, in the 10 or 15 minutes we have left, if you were to give advice, you know, in the, it, we'll come back here hopefully during the school year if I could be presumptuous, but when MBAs and entrepreneurs-to-be are asking you advice or, or 
people seek you out now, other people who want to be mentored in consumer packaged goods. What is the advice that you would give back to yourself at Greenleaf Pool Room and to budding people out there? I mean, what is the, what is the one thing that moved the needle more than anything else, Hannah? Um, well, I mean, there's a lot of things. I would think one thing is um, to believe, I think to believe in your product and yourself. And there's a lot of people, especially as you grow, that are going to give you advice, um, but really be true to what you believe in and your product. There's so many people that have told us you need to do this, you need to do that, we'll give you this, but like we have always stuck to what we believe in. And that's just making the best ice cream sandwiches that we can. Um, and I think that's really important, too. There's, there's always going to be pe people out there who tell you what to do. What to she do. loved it. She loved it. Uh. I'm going to tell you what to do. Uh, she loved it. <laughs> but no one, no one knows your business and no one knows your product like you. You know, there, there's so many things out there. Well, we've done this before. We've done that before. But... This is something that's new, and you need to listen to good advice, but always keep true to the path, I think, that, that uh, you believe in. Are there people, um, you know, either counterparties, suppliers, vendors, customers, uh, when you go on these road trips that are willing to kind of pull out a checkbook? I don't know if the story's apocryphal, but Bill Gates tried an Impossible Burger and said, what do you want, right? Are, are you seeking investors? Are people making overtures to you to invest in the company at kind of a pre-money well, I mean, we've had a lot of people that have wanted to invest in Nightingale. Um, but for us, I think the thing is if it brings value to the company. There's a lot of people that can just give you checks, you know, but it doesn't bring value to the company and help us grow. Uh, I think that's something that's really important to us is to work with people who have the, you know, that end goal in mind of where we want to go as a company. What brings value at this point? Is it, is it capital? Is it equipment? Is it labor? Is it distribution? At this point, you're kind of at the hockey stick moment. I think the, on, I mean, the only thing that matters for us is continue to create some cool ice cream sandwich. Um, I love, you have an article two years ago, we want the best made in Virginia on one thing, and these people said, you are guys, you bring something old school, cool again. I love that thing. The only thing that matters for us is to make sure that we have some good products. Are, are you making a living? Do you mind my asking? Well, yeah, I mean, we, we do. I mean, yes. What, we're we living with that? Yes. I thought it was my credit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a good credit. I'm an immigrant. So. <laughs> <laughs> are we? Are we? So are we allowed? To, are we allowed to ask those questions? I mean, at what point did you? You could pay yourselves at this point. Is it still a zero something like, honey, we could take money out of the business, we could take distributions, or we could plow it back into human capital or physical capital? Or you, you know, you're in a great commercial kitchen right now, but at some point you're gonna. We spend a lot of money. Tomorrow we're going to the Holiday Inn. Holiday uh, Inn, in Boston. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to go to the Holiday Inn for three days. Yeah, we are a little crazy. We, we're working on what we do. Uh, what, what's going on at the Holiday Inn, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, the coffee is awesome. Uh, and what else? The service is breakfast great, too. Breakfast is good, too. Breakfast. Yeah. You I like that breakfast? That's my favorite today? part. <laughs> Pretty, cool. Pretty cool. So now it's a new life for us. We're going on the, we're going on the road all the time. So we have to deal with that road. 
hotel room is cool. Did you buy? Uh, did you buy a special truck? I heard we, we should. Did. Oh, we just bought a truck. That's so what, what, what was involved here? How did? You, how did you? How did you calculate that? Like we need this. You're driving it up to Boston. Has a freezer in it. Well, we're not driving it to Boston. But we just bought. A, I'm kind of sad about that. Yeah, a 22 foot reefer truck, which means it's a refrigerated truck, so it goes down to to below zero. It's frozen, and the way our production works, we use a, a cold storage facility, and we take loads over there, and our distributor picks up from there, and so. It just came to a point where it made more sense for us to buy our own truck versus renting and it's kind their of fun. truck. Yeah, and he drives. Do you have a truck? truck? <laughs> no, I you have a Camry, a, a four-door Camry. <laughs> I have two enormous booster seats in it. You should, you should own a truck. It's really fun. He loves Brrr. to drive it. Yeah, yeah. I love it. It's my new toy. Talk to us about where you're going to be next. How far west do you go, for example? Are you largely a mid, now you're mid-Atlantic, you're talking to me about New England, you're talking to me about the preferred burger vendor at you know, the Red Sox facility. What if the Red Sox come to you and say, make the championship ice cream sandwich? Let's do it. That's the first thing you and we think, let's do it. Let's do something special. But I, okay, I've pushed you on this, is how do you guys spread yourselves like that? You're not, you don't have a, you don't have like a, a partner associate model where you could send little Xavier mini-me's up to Boston and other parts of the country. You have to get on a truck yourself, and the opportunity cost of that is you're not here churning out product. There are two people not whipping together product. But that's just like I was saying, our, our team, like our, our production runs without us. And so we can go and sell and do what we need to do, and we can add in what is needed, and our production runs very well without us being there. And so that's, that's something that's so She's kind of nervous about that. Huh? I mean, I've always because been, Because it's not yeah. easy, and we are really, really happy to build a strong team. Because restaurant people knows, or it's not easy to build a team, a worker, you know. And these people follow us for a couple of times now, and we are really happy about that. Whatever you can tell us to break news, um, you know, in the few minutes we have left, what can we expect from you? You have so many mashups that appear. I see them on social media. It's kind of crazy. You did something with Sugar Shack, right? Was it like a blueberry donut? What's, that was what's, five years ago, no? We don't exist. Yeah. <laughs> what's coming next? Like, where will you stop? You know, Michelle, Michelle Williams is here tonight, and I joke with her. I said, what if she came to you and said, like, I'm going to give you a uh, poke bowl from West Coast Did we go to work together? <laughs> Oh, green tea, but she's not going to mix poke into your ice <laughs> Like, where do, you draw, where do you draw the line and say, I, you know, I... We, 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 I don't we think don't there's have a line. line. <laughs> we don't have any line. Every single business from Richmond, we love to work with everyone. Some people... Uh, what? Oh, we do that for lunch and supper. So for lunch and supper, you have a bacon ice cream sandwich. Yeah. My, I mean, I'm super excited because next week, when I'm come back... We're gonna do a special release with a, a reservoir. So what you're gonna to have tonight is just a treat. Yeah, tell us but, the backstory of the reservoir mashup. We oh, have here. I think we know each other for a little while. Do you want to say the story, Jay? Well, <laughs> no, you <laughs> tell the story. No, no, you so go. what is funny? Uh, what seven years ago? Seven years ago. I used to ride my Harley Davidson because Harley Davidson. Harley Davidson. We are in a we are in the United States, so I buy a big bike. 
and right on the front of J House. My bike broke down. I knock at the door. I said, hey, bud, can I leave my bike here, buddy, please? And he said, oh, yep. <laughs> That's what he said? Yes, no problem. So I came back three days after. I gave a gift card for Bellevue, a lot of stuff. And I don't know. <laughs> and I didn't know he was the owner of Reservoir Whiskey Distillery. And I think we have that conversation like two months ago. And like, oh my God, we do some good stuff together. And you tried his bourbon? That's my big problem. So <laughs> when I try his bourbon, your bourbon, next week we're gonna release something special that we have more than here tonight. We're gonna do some special ice cream sandwich with the bourbon distillery. So could you, could you walk me through how the kind of macerated cherry thing happened? Huh. Like you can't really reduce, you can't get the full alcohol taste, but you can get an infusion from the barrels that are the used? infusion from the barrels. Tell barrel, me how you come goods. up with this. Do you sit around and spitball like, if somebody brings you a beer that's and you try same. like a Hardywood peach triple or something, I think what that's do you do? A, that's, everybody loves to cook, loves to do something like that. Everybody loves to do some pairing, loves something like that. So you're releasing a special ice cream sandwich tonight with Reservoir. Tell us how you came up with the cherries. Tell us how. That was all him. What was the iteration? Yeah. Like, did you, did, you, did you mix a bunch of things? Like, honey, try this, honey, try this. Did you have a bunch of people over? How, no, does, that, how does that even work? This guy makes such an awesome produce. Then I just like, bingo. That's what we're going to do. So when I try the whiskey, and I use the bourbon barrel that he used, and I macerate the cherry on that. Macerate sounds medieval. What does it mean exactly? Medieval? Yeah. Welcome to my country. <laughs> so medieval means... Uh, Not medieval, mas macerate, please. Uh, macerated. So I use all the cherry and leave the cherry for like one or two days on the barrel with the woods. And after that, I make my own jam. And with the jam, we turned that with an ice cream. I mean, my wonderful team over there, because you are not there. My wonderful team over there turned that to an ice cream. And all the cherry was soaked of all the flavor. But what I want to see is, so is your team in, in Manchester, like, are you putting these samples out and trying it? Like, how are you, you're putting it out to vote, like, this doesn't work, this doesn't work. How does that happen? What we does the stuff look like? all their opinions on it, for sure, yeah. Just like, Not all of it, though. But we try, like, we're trying our new summer flavors, and we make a test and see, you know, what everybody thinks, if we should adjust this or adjust that, because I think it's good to get more than just our opinions on it and see what just everybody thinks about it. Have any batches been particularly catastrophic, like the McDLT of <laughs> Nightingale ice cream sandwiches? Have you had to kind of say, you know what, honey, that works for you, it didn't work for anyone else? Mm -hmm. I don't think so. I mean, it's ice cream. Go ahead, say it. <laughs> Your turn. I think, I mean, you know, it's, we're very particular about what the flavor is and that it comes across very well. So we don't want to just throw stuff in there and say, well, it's good, you know, and give it out to everybody. How does it work at a retail level? Because I see you get all of these different um, pings on, um, on Instagram and other places. Oh, will you make this? Will you whip this up? Will you mash this up with it? Do you take, I mean, your fan base is out there. I was introduced to the sandwiches from a, 
a, a, a friend who was pregnant at the time and was hoarding them on the shelves of Libby Market. You know, the sandwich was called the Fat Elvis. Back then, it's now called the Fat Banana for reasons of deference or copyright. I don't know. But um, she was like, her friends, like... I should shut up on this one. So people would see that the market had it, and, and you could ask Sam Dorch, the owner. People would just come and rip them off the shelves. And at that point, so are, there, are people coming to you with ideas and saying, do this, do this, try this? I, yeah, a lot more now than it used to be. What are some be. of the funky ones you're getting? Um, I think a lot, let's see. Um, a couple things is the flavors that we've done in the past that we're not doing anymore. So they want us to bring those back. Like um, which ones? The, the blueberry donut. Yeah, the blueberry donut and the, the key sugar lime. shack blueberry donut. Yeah, yeah, and the key lime pie. Um, people, but it's just like a select few, and we just can't bring it back unless um, it sells really well and people love it and, and it flies off the shelves. So like this summer, we're gonna do something different than we did last summer because we want something different for everybody to try, versus bringing something back that everybody might not love. If you were to create a bespoke ice cream sandwich for me, in full disclosure, let's call it the Persian version. <laughs> a pervert version? The pervert version? No, the Persian version. <laughs> what would be... Hello? What would be in it? Like, if I were to come to you, like, hey, I'm having a big bash. My show turns five, wink, wink, on June 6th. I want to I commission a personally stamped ice cream sandwich. What would be in it? How would you... Brainstorm what do you with think? me. Oh, I don't want to think anymore. I think some like spices, like uh, maybe like ginger and cardamom, and uh, something like that, like a spicy one with a, like a little kick to it. Jalapenos. Yeah. Jalapenos in a Persian ice cream sandwich. <laughs> it's kind of a foodie one, you know. Close this out. Give us, give us some. Projections. If I were to bring you on stage five years hence, and I, I actually taking a flyer on this because I think you're going to hear about this as one of the next great consumer package brands, and it's really putting Richmond on the map, and it's going to be heard about. And I know people are pining for you in Dixie. I hear in Miami, my you know my hometown, or people are asking for you where PFG has some tentacles. Walk us through what we're going to see from you, and if I'm talking to you in five years, what you're going to be looking back at this interview and say, hmm. can you believe we only did? 15,000 sandwiches a week. 15,000, yeah. that's nothing for her. <laughs> Trust me, uh, she's already over there. Oh. I think our goal is to get our ice cream sandwiches into as many hands as possible across the country. So whatever that might entail, you know, distribution-wise, but that's our goal is to, to make Nightingale um, a brand that's recognized not just in Richmond, but across the country. And can you do it now organically? I mean, not organically, organically, but without any outside investors, without any capital infusions. Can you just grow into this dream? Well, I think just the way that we've always done it is step by step, you know, just us together. And of course, we need advice from people that have been in this world longer than we have. And we know that we can't Every do single it. day is a yeah. challenge for us. And we're because always Because we're not growing a restaurant anymore. We, uh, everything is very challenging. We, we put a step somewhere when we don't know what's going on. Like, everybody loves to have our produce. What do we have to choice? Do you want to go in these big guys? Do you want to do it? No. We would love 
and we continue to follow what we love to do. What we love to do, I think, it's grow this company, of course, but make sure the Nightingale is the best ice cream sandwich right now, huh? and put all the pro, uh, I mean, all the quality that we love to do on it. As long as we keep the quality, I think yeah. that that's the only thing that matters for yeah. us. I think we think we don't want to grow too fast and lose the quality of what we do. We'd rather go step by step and always just maintain that ice cream sandwich that everybody. We try loves. to keep simple, but it's not though. <laughs> Close this out because we are at the Robin School of Business. One piece of advice to budding entrepreneurs, restaurant people, people in their 20s. You see all these memes about what I would tell myself at age 21. What would, what would you tell yourself? Give um. some advice. <laughs> Oops. Well, I, I would say just like I said, be, be true to yourself and, and your business and your product and don't let anybody sway you from that. You, you know what is good and you know what you have. And, and don't let um, all these people that are going to come in from the sides and, and tell you what to do. Believe on your products. Yeah. Uh, I mean, believe on you. That's, that's, I think it's really tough. Uh, um, but don't they tell you on Shark Tank, don't believe in yourself too much? Like you Shark might... Tank. <laughs> Shark Tank. That's awful name. Shark Tank. <laughs> we don't want that. Last words. <sighs> Last words, Xavier. Close this out. Tell me. You tell me. Just believe on yourself. I mean, we do that not for fun. We strongly believe on what we do, and uh, it works. And we are really excited to create every single week and have a lot of partnership with a lot of people all the time. We are really blessed and really happy of what we do. You were listening to Xavier Mears. He was joined by his wife, Hannah Pollock. They are co-founders of the hit startup Nightingale Ice Cream Sandwiches. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank, Thank you so you. much. Thank you. Full disclosure, our executive producer tonight is Hunter Hopcroft. Our engineers are John Valentine and Micah Berry. Huge, huge thank you to Joe Wolf and his team at U of R Catering. He totally saved our macerated cherries this week. Uh, thank you to Andy Miner, Nicole Hansen, Liz Bueller in the events office. Bueller, Bueller. And a huge, huge mazel tov to Dean Nancy Bagranoff. She's finishing her ninth year here. She's about to leave the dean slot. You know, this place, I, I don't know what existed here before you got here, but now it's so meticulous that they shampoo the squirrels. <laughs> Thank you, Dean. We are macerated, emulsified, 14% butterfat content, locally inclusive but globally effusive. Liberté, égalité, go have ice cream and whiskey. I'm Robin Farzad, back with you next week. <laughs>